Welcome back to another episode of the Kindhearted Badass Show. I am your host, Janine Kenna, and I am so excited to go on this kind-hearted, badass journey with you. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Allison. So let's talk more because you have another really, I don't know, interesting doesn't feel right, like the right word, but you have another really powerful, is powerful a good word, story, story to share? Yeah. So I know you hinted at it a little bit in when we were talking earlier, Mm -hmm. and I'm guessing it has something to do with that DSLR camera. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I love. So going way back to when you were asking like about where I grew up and everything, I mentioned how when I went to college, I went over to the East Coast for a bit. And then I I mentioned briefly that I had a first husband and he lived out in California in San Diego and he was a Marine and we were stationed at Camp Pendleton and Oceanside, but I didn't talk about him at all. And so we, we got married. We were very young when we got married. We were 20 years old. Well, he was technically, no, he was 20. And we went through, so he was, like I said, a Marine. And the first part of our relationship started out with a deployment a deploy a year-long deployment oh yeah oh yeah um so he was deployed to iraq for a whole year um came back proposed and then we got married shortly after and we really like to our parents we justified getting married as like a way for me to be able to move out there with him okay because technically like in order for him to live anywhere off base he had to be married and so, you know, me, my one way to be able to move anywhere, at least like, you know, that made mo- the most sense financially was to be able to like transfer schools, to be able to like go to school out in California where he was stationed. But we, we were wild, madly in love and we got married um, as young, young <laughs> infant, you know, now looking back at like 20 years old, like that's, we were still babies getting married at 20 and, but still babies, but yet. One who just returned for more. So like, and the guy that we're in now and like, you know, crazy what you think about. Right. And war and all that sort of stuff. Like, the, yeah, you're, you're not quite, and you're not a baby anymore when you go off to war. So no. like I said, he had just returned back from Iraq and per- he proposed and then we got married short, like shortly after we kind of just in our wedding within two weeks. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got married out of the beach, Bodwich Beach. If you're local to Fort Myers in Florida, Bodwich uh, Point Park, which is down at the north end of Fort Myers Beach. We got married out there and it was, I've done both kinds of weddings. They look, you know, kind of low mid style and big wedding style. And gonna lie, but the low mid's a little bit easier than the big wedding. <laughs> Yeah, so we got married out there, and shortly after, I was shipping all my stuff through the through UPS up to California for now. Yeah, um, and we lived on base for a little. I don't remember how long we lived. Uh, definitely over a year because shortly after we moved in together. So, gosh, it's been so long. So, it's. That was in 2007 when we got married. Okay. Yeah, 2007, May of 2007. So, goodness, it'll be coming up on 15 years. Right, right. So, 15 years in May. So, this is a very, like, take it, Boston, past, taking it back. So, like, remember timeline, all that sort of stuff is really, kind of foggy. But I moved out there in June of 2007. And shortly after that, we learned that Michael would be redeploying out to Iraq at the end of the year. Okay. Which was really devastating because for his terms of of just how it was, I guess, to be a Marine and all that sort of like your contract with the Marines is like you they cannot develop, they can't violate dwell time. So your dwell time is your time at home in between deployments. Okay. And they violated dwell time because dwell time is supposed to be like double the amount of time that you were deployed. So if you have a six month deployment, you're supposed to be home for a year. If you have a year long deployment, you were supposed to be home for two years. Okay. He was deployed for a whole year, got maybe a year home, and then redeployed out there. So that was devastating. Newly married, devastating. I can imagine. Um, and he came home with, like, a little bit, from his first initial deployment, he came home with a little bit of PTSD. Like, he, while he was not necessarily in combat, because he was intelligent, so, like, but he knew a lot of the behind-the-scenes 
sort of situation. Can you imagine like putting yourself into like the the shoes of a 19 year old going out to a war zone? You know what I mean? Like going out to a war zone, even just the physical going, leaving your country to another country for the event of a war. That itself is traumatizing, let alone all the the potential learning or seeing of your friends or buddies or people that you know being like blown up. You know, I can't, I can't even imagine. I can't wrap my brain around it. Now that I am a mother and I see like I have two young boys, like I can't, I can't fathom that for as a human or like for my child. So to that itself is traumatizing. So we came home a little bit different. So it was that in itself like was was really hard as like his wife. Um, you know, I was I was new to the area. He had lived there for a little bit, but I was new to the area and I wanted to go and explore. And he really just wanted to just stay home, not do anything, play video games. And as a young new you know, young couple, like that was just it was it wasn't it was not an easy start to a marriage. And we really struggled, but we, we, even though we were really young, we still got the help that we needed. We went to counseling, all that sort of stuff, and we got to a good place. But that wasn't until after he had returned home from his second deployment. But we, so I backtrack <laughs> shortly. Uh, I guess it would be the fall after I moved out there, started school at San Diego State University uh, for nursing. Mm-hmm. And quickly realized that it was going to be really, really difficult to get into their program because I think they only like accepted 200 people into their program once a year. Oh boy. And there were over a thousand flying. And so I realized, okay, I'm like, you know, just transferring them from another, you know, that freshman year is real hard. Yeah. When you're you're new to being, you know, having all this freedom and all the yeah, all the fun. <laughs> you know, you don't go to class sometimes, and so like I didn't have the best grades going in, but like they weren't they weren't the worst. So I quickly realized I wasn't going to be able to get a nursing program, so I switched over to psychology, and I was like on the fast track to be able to graduate with psychology. And then I was going to go do my like an accelerated BSN program, bachelor's in science nursing program through like another another school after I graduated so that was that was the plan so I was going to do that I was going to have two degrees within a couple years and I was going to go be a nurse and that made the most sense in my head because as a a family in the military you're granted to move around quite a bit right and nursing is always a desired job anywhere wherever you go so I was like okay this is brilliant. I want to help people I I am really into science and you know that sort of thing medical Anything medical, I, I loved. I was happy to do that, but I, qu- I realized quickly that I wasn't going to be able to do that on the path that I was on. So, like I was going, like I was saying before, he knew that he was going to deploy pretty quickly after I had moved out there. So I moved out there in June. He had deployed by the next January, mm-hmm. and he was gone for a year. And it's really tough to like grow and foster your marriage through skype because that's what we used at the time and some like satellite phone calls and that sort of stuff because it was crazy yeah this is still like early you know created the war started in like what 2003 2004 mm-hmm. really really invading iraq and afghanistan so the technology to be able to communicate with home really wasn't truly built up a whole lot there wasn't a whole lot of internet in that area not a lot of inf- infrastructure infrastructure so to be able to communicate with him effectively was really shitty it would go like sometimes a couple of weeks not hearing from him god i can't like, imagine I, that much space yeah it was tough i'm not gonna lie it was tough and we had a really hard time but he was able to come home a little bit earlier because he was transferring over to a new duty station down in like deeper in san diego called um miramar it was a near station and because he needed some so much time before he was supposed to report to that air station, to that, that new duty station, he was able to come home a little bit, a little bit earlier, granted by a month. And so like, so that we could move down there because okay. he was supposed to report down there. So all that sort of stuff happened. We were like, our relationship was in pretty much shambles at the time because just two deployments and three day on thing. And, and right? being so young. Being so young and coming in with our own baggage and our own yeah, job girls and like, you know, because like while while we say children are resilient, like 
are we really resilient? No, because we're all like adults trying to heal from our childhood. Yeah, no exactly. So, like our parents come in and do the best that they can, but it was really tough. Like, I mean, I don't know. Not that saying it's related at all, but like we had a hard time like really being able to like foster our relationship in the manner and the way that it was. So right, we struggled a lot, but we did go and get help. We went to counseling and then I ended up realizing that like, okay, then maybe like what I've been dealing with is in fact depression and maybe I need to go and get help for that. So I did find a therapist. I got on medication and it was like, I then finally, finally, I was like, okay, this is what it's like to be happy all the time. I did not feel like absolute hot garbage shit all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. Because I, 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 we mentioned when we were speaking earlier that, you know, I was diagnosed with clinical depression as a teenager. Right. And I, I mean, I've been in and out of therapy. Right. Pretty much my whole life. I'm 41 now. So since I was 12 or 13, I, uh-huh. I started seeing my first therapist and. There were there were several years there in my late teens, early twenties when I was on medication for right. too. And like, yeah, it's I I I always tell anybody who's like, well, I don't know, and on the fence about it, like yeah. it's not forever. It's gonna it's to help you learn how to cope, but it's to help you get through this season of your life. Yeah. That's truly what I, and if it is forever, that's okay too. Yeah. Because there are people who need medication for yeah. the rest of their lives for depression or anxiety or ADHD or, you know, whatever it is, like yeah. mental health is like something that just can't be ignored. It can't be ignored. But, and I was told, I was one of those people who was told who like, I would probably need to be on it for the rest of my life at that time. But long, like, long story short, we were, we, we moved down to San Diego and things were really good. And they were really, really good. And Michael calls me one day, I met at school, you know, and calls me, he's like, what do you think about me getting a motorcycle? And I was like, well, I'm not going to tell you no, because if that's your choice, then I don't want to like interfere in any way. Right. I don't want to tell you no and have you resent me. Right. For that. So if you feel like that's the best choice for you right now, then go ahead. Get a motorcycle. I was like, but just like there's certain safety things that you need to learn. Right. And so he did all of that. The 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 base where we were stationed, they have like motorcycle, you know, safety classes, all that sort of stuff. Because it's you know it's a common thing for Mar- you know Marines to be able to to go get motorcycles and that sort of stuff. And they want them to be safe because they're kicks back they're, they're they're government property and they're, yeah because they want them right they want them to come back they want them to run for So is that you know okay like it, I'm I'm not going to say no, but I don't. Want to say yes, but I'm not going to say no. Right. So it's like one of those sort of situations. And so he gets one and really, really falls in love with it. And he learns to write it and he learns all of the safety stuff, gets all the safety things. <laughs> we got Jovi joining us here for anybody who can hear the meow. So he, like, and he just played it. Like, we have plans for me to go and do the same safety course and right. me to get a motorcycle. However, it, at this time, it's December 2009. And no, December. I'm sorry. Edit that out. So at this time, it's November 2009. And I am meeting a girlfriend up and meeting up with a girlfriend at the mall. Man, I didn't see her in a long time. And I get a phone call from actually, like, it was funny. I get a phone call from a mutual friend whose husband also worked with Michael. And I get a phone call from her and she's hysterical. And I can't understand why. And so she, all she says to me is call Aaron. And Aaron's her, her husband who works with Michael. And so I call Aaron and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm in the middle of a mall, a shopping mall with right. other people there. And I call Aaron and I'm like, look, but, you know, Vanessa called me. And sorry, I'm, I'm using real names. I'm so sorry. I was like, Vanessa called me and she's hysterical and I can't understand what's going on. She just said to call Michael and I can't get a hold of Michael because like before that, I called Michael 30, 30 times and I can't get a hold of him. And he says to me, he's like, Allison, Mar- Michael was in an accident and he t- And it's only like 11 o'clock at that time. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he was on his way to work. How, how did he die? How did somebody die? In that amount of time. And that's not the way that you're supposed to be notified that your spouse has died in the military. Um, they're supposed to come and 
door. They're supposed to come with chaplain. They're supposed to come with a lot of different things. And that's how I was told that my husband, who just gotten home nine months before from a war zone, had died. Died. Like that just like it, it's still like to me to this day, 13 years later, like the fact that he died, like is just. It doesn't make sense in my brain. How does somebody who like you feel like is invincible because they came home from war? How how did they just die? Like how does somebody die? And how does the world continue on after they've died? So that was so if you can imagine what that's like. If you're a mom, you probably watched Encanto like thirty thousand times. Yeah, in this scene where the grandmother's showing Mirabelle how it was to lose her husband like i can't get it through that thing now i can't get through that that scene without bawling my my eyes out my little baby looks at me like i'm gonna cry this time (laughs) of course i'm gonna cry i have to say my family looks at me the same way but i i have not had that experience sure right i've but your death has been a big part of my life forever and about two years ago we had a i don't want to it's not my story to share, but right. I was there to find out that a very close family member right. died very suddenly uh-huh. with that person's immediate family. And it was yeah. the worst day of so, my life. Yeah. So I, I, very similar to the grandmother in, in Canto. So yeah. everybody who says that she's a narcissist, she is not. She's a traumatized cat. That's who she is. So... Getting through that scene is like, I can't because that's how I was in the middle of a shopping mall in California, just like screaming and then trying to scramble to get home to then officially get notified. Like it was, and uh, I can't describe what it was like because it, it wasn't something like it felt like it was not real life. Talking about now, like I haven't talked about it in a very long time. Talking about now, it feels like it's not real life because it was something that doesn't tip, you know, it's not an everyday event. It's not something that happens all the time. It, it might be something from the movies. It might not, you know, but it's it's what happened probably 13 years now. So they came and they they told me that my husband had died. I was sitting in the parking lot, like on a parking, one of those parking bricks, parking stones or whatever, just waiting for them. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Go sit up in my apartment? No, I'm just... So I set out there and they came and, you know, informed me that um, the United States government, that my husband, Sergeant Michael Martinson, died, but not in a war. And so what do you do with that? I was 22 years old at the time. What do you, what do you do with that? My whole life was built and wrapped around him. Yeah. So, so eventually I just, like, after getting through the immediate memorial services and the funeral and everything i was straight like packed up my shit and i went home and i moved back here locally to to florida you know into southwest florida and i just i dropped out I mean, initially i had dropped out of school it was in the middle of the semester i dropped out of school and i came back and uh, it took it took a year off from everything from everything thankfully and this is like a fucking godsend my dad had found an organization called the american widow project mm-hmm. and it was for young military widows whose husband had died in the afghanistan and iraq wars and it was like not only an online community but they had get getaways and that sort of thing and so he found that for me and then what was it two months after michael and died i went physically went to a getaway like they had one in orlando and it was like the one they had first one that they had done outside of texas where the founder was from and i was like i'm gonna come i gotta come i have to come and it was the first time that i in that in the you know first two months after losing my husband i felt like what i was going through was absolutely completely normal that like i wasn't crazy that because there's so many, there's just so many different things that are wrapped up into that grieving process that you don't realize until you're going through it, until you're in the thick of it. And so I felt, finally, I felt normal that, like, I'm okay not eating every single meal. And initially, it's 
okay. And I don't know, a lot of different things. It's hard to put myself back in that place because I've, I've, I've grown, you know, I'm so far beyond that place, but it was, it was, I don't know, it was a godsend. So those, those women helped to, to get me to where I was probably when I met my second husband, you know, probably, I don't know, a couple few months after Michael had died, I got myself into therapy and I, everybody at the funeral and every single person that I encountered was like, you know, and they're like, you're so young, you're going to find love again. And I wanted to be like, go fuck off. Oh yeah. That's the worst thing to Go fuck yourself, please. I literally, that of my life is laying there in a casket and you're going to tell me that I'm going to find love again. No, I want that person to come back and, and because I promised him that I would, that I would be with him for the rest of my life. Right. While, yes, he, I was the person that was with him for the rest of his life. Now it's supposed to be the other way. Now that's not going to become true for me. And so what, what's that going to look like? So it was, it was wild. It was, you know, probably what made me into the person I am today. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to completely learn how to live again. You do. Because you, you're not the same person. No, no. And so what I told myself because of my whole life was wrapped up into Michael and just the around his career and what we were going to do, I told myself that if I'm ever going to date again, I'm going to make sure that I am completely happy on my own. Yeah. And I got to know my own shit. I have to have my own life because God forbid, if this ever happens again, if I ever happen to lose somebody as close as I did before with Michael, I don't want to lose myself you know again right. um and grant, like and i can't see i can't say that that won't happen again because it probably will because i'm just a i throw myself into everything and i throw myself into the people that i love i want to i i know that like you said with doing the hard things even though this is like a hard thing that i didn't choose to do oh god right <laughs> but i know that i can do it again because i've done it before yeah. but i'm not saying i want to do it no at all. i i get that and i mean of course this is certainly an experience that nobody would ever wish on right. anybody. Right. And while obviously our experiences are very different, or, right? Like this, this only similarity I can find. I mean, I, I've dealt with a lot of grief in my life, and I mm -hmm. I understand the crazy cyclical up and down roller coaster nightmare uh -huh. that grief is and how it's so different for everybody and so right. even in one person so different from one loss to another oh yeah but i think what you just said about taking the time to find yourself and learn who you were alone is so important because when i left my first husband hmm? i kind of tried to jump back into dating and, oh, yeah. and i was like what the fuck am I doing? Like, I need to figure out who I am by myself. And I mean, I dated and I, you know, I went out. I had some fun, but I wasn't trying to really be serious for quite a few years after I got out of that. Right. Because, like, I wanted to know that if another relationship ever fell apart for whatever reason. Right. I'd be able to take care of myself and my son and whatever other uh -huh. people in my life. You know, now Shay, like, obviously you don't plan on it happening again but nobody ever plans it and that's a no thing like it's no you don't plans on no. this thing i didn't get married at 20 years old and said i do to this person and, and expecting for him to die and you know at 23 years old because he was 23 when it happened i didn't expect that at all i didn't no of course i didn't want to have to bury my 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 best friend make those choices make funeral decisions for somebody else that I loved so much that I wanted to spend spend the rest of my life with like that's not something you go into it's not something you go into like when you marry somebody it ends up in divorce like you know you expect the best and, I mean you get married in 10 20 years later it's I don't know what the word is it's I'm just gonna say it's funny it's not funny funny no, is not the right word obviously but, like it's interesting to think about as you know, Dave and I have been together eight years. We've married six. And I mean, thank God we have a very happy, healthy marriage for the most part. We have our issues because who does it? We're human. But I've told him, like, God willing, it'll be another, like, 20, 30 years at the bare minimum before we're even thinking about that. But, like, I hope that he goes right. first because I would rather take that pain than ever have him have to deal right. with it. Right. And that's such a horrible thing to even think about. But 
you know, like, I know that I can handle being alone. Sure. And I love my husband, and I don't mean this in a slight in any way, right. but I think I'd handle being alone better than he would. Sure. So I would rather take that pain mm-hmm. than have it inflicted on him. You were, and it, but it's, it's so hard. You're just falling in love and opening yourself up. Mm-hmm. It's the most vulnerable things you could possibly do because it's going to hurt you at some point. Uh-huh. Even if you live happily ever after for the next 50, 60 years, eventually. Eventually, it'll like gut you. Yeah. yeah. But okay. to, to go through that so young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I ever wanted to do at all. Yeah. So, like, I, I threw myself in, self into a lot of things. So, going back to the story of buying a camera, that was one thing that I, I bought for myself after he had died was a DSLR camera. But I didn't know how to use it. I just, <laughs> I never, I never, like, I, like, I would take it and I'd throw it into auto and I would take pictures or whatever, but like, I never knew what to do with it afterwards. Right. Never knew the capacity of what that camera held until 2020 happened when I, I started to learn about it. But so yeah, like I, I had, so that camera that I bought after Michael died was the same camera that I picked years down the road to try to get myself out of the hole that I was in. That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, that that's such a, I don't like, know. It's like a kismet kid, coming back, like a full circle. Full circle, yeah, there you go. Full circle sort of deal. Yeah. Right. And I'd like, heck, I don't like to think of it that way, but it is. But I don't like to think of it that way because it's like, it. okay, then it's too much. And then I don't know what to do with like the com- the, the comments that I get. Like, you're so talented. You're found, you found what you're supposed to do. You found those sort of things. Like, I don't know what to do with that. I, like, do I cry? Do I sit there and cry? Do I like, I, I don't know, but I've been sitting here for the last hour telling you those things, and I'm like, oh, crap. No, it's okay, though. It's okay. It's like, that's fine. That's, that's okay. But it, like, I'm not going to say that. True. <laughs> you know, I, I understand that, and that's that's totally okay. But I don't know. Like, like that that experience of losing Michael, of becoming a young, young widow, and I hate the word widow because, like, when you think of the word widow, what is that? What is that to you? Like you think? Yeah, I see a little old lady in a black veil, and right. I, I, I happen to know way too many widows. Sure, and most of them are very young. Yeah, maybe not twenty-two, but right, very right. young. And but like moving back to this area, like looking for support groups in this area was like young widows were like in their fifties. That was considered a young widow when I moved back here. I'm like, well. There's no place for me because everybody's just going to like gaslight me and tell me like, well, you're so young. You're going to find love again. Like, yeah. That's not what I want to hear. Not all. I remember I was 25 when my mom died and I had a really hard time with it. Yeah. And I remember there was, so she died in, in November up in New Jersey the days are already really, really short. Right. And I remember, like, I, I don't know if you had this experience, but everybody sends baskets of flowers and fruit, meat and crackers and cheese and all this. And I don't eat any of that junk. And every time I, the doorbell would ring, I would cringe. Uh-huh. And, oh, I didn't mention the fact that my husband at the time decided to go away for work for three weeks, like a week after my mom died. That's a whole other story. One of the many reasons he's the ex-husband. But so I was alone. I will never forget there was this one day where I was probably a couple bottles into the wine already because this was before Spike or anything. And I was just binge watching whatever nonsense on TV yeah. and the doorbell rang. And it was like, I'm disheveled in my pajamas and my hair is a mess. And I don't think, I mean, I couldn't have been too drunk because I remember. Right. <laughs> but I was not, I was not sober. Let's put it that way. The doorbell rang and I opened the door and I'm like, yeah. And this poor young guy with the basket, and he's like, I'm sorry, it's really late. Maybe I shouldn't ring the door, but my dude, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. It's okay. It's not your fault. And I was like, just give me the, and I was so rude. And I mean, I guess it wasn't really rude, but I felt after, like, obviously, 15 years later, I still feel so bad for this poor delivery guy. Into my delivery delivery guy, if you're listening, Janine, sorry. (laughs) 
Like, it's so hard because, you know, like all those people who were like, oh, you're so young, you'll find love. Like, they mean what? I mean, yeah, from a yeah. place of they're trying to be compassionate. But no one knows what to say when your husband just dies. You know what I mean? No one knows what to say. Granted, like, I still don't know what to say to people who are going through hard yeah. and traumatic things. But sometimes the best thing to say is absolutely just be there. Just be there. Right. And I didn't have a whole lot of people just be there. It was hard because who I was one of the youngest of my friends to get married. Mm -hmm. I was also the youngest of my friends to be widowed, to no longer be married. And like, so I went through all of that alone. My parents, and my parents tried the best that they could, but they didn't know how to be there. My siblings did the absolute best that you know, they could. They didn't know that. Like, no one knew. How can they know? You know, all right. And there's no, that's no slight on them at all. It, it, this is a life event that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, they don't know how to navigate it any better than you do. Right, exactly. So it's like, it just is what it was, but I had to go through it alone. But granted, I found that organization for young military widows and I met a lot of amazing people who I still know today. And like, they're amazing. Like, I, I wouldn't have made, made it through that time in my life without them. Are those organizations still operating? To be honest, I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, we're going to, we'll have to do a little bit of research. Right. Finds military related and not. I'm sure that there there is now, but I, the American Widow Project, I know the founder, she's not doing it anymore. Okay. So, well, we'll, oh. we'll definitely come up with some resources to put on the show notes page. I really think listening yeah. to this. Yeah. So what came next for you? How did you start putting your life back together? So what came next was, so I, like I said, I took a year off from everything. And but I like, I moved back and I bought a house for myself and I just kind of like, I kind of just existed in it, to be honest. Like I made like an Etsy page and I sold like crafts that I made. It's like, there's just something <laughs> that like get me to not kill myself basically. And so I did that for a long, for a little bit. And then I, I eventually I went back to school. You know, the next fall semester, I started back up again and I ended up graduating from FJCU with my degree in psychology. And then shortly after that, I started working for a nonprofit organization called Human Trafficking Awareness Partnerships. And then also at the same time, working for another nonprofit called uh, Project Help. They had like a crisis hotline and I volunteered with them for like much longer than, than my employment there. But as a, a crisis hotline worker. So I would do like kind of like grief counseling and crisis counseling for people over the phone. And so I turned like what I had went through into like being able to help other people. Yeah. So I did my, my volunteerism with Project Help turned into like a counseling job there. You mm know, -hmm. so I would work with mostly grief counseling and a little bit of like rape crisis counseling because that, that's really what they were there for. They was in Dun Naples and they did, they still do grief work and rape crisis work and victim victim advocacy really right um and so I did that and then that all evolved into working on my master's in social work and then I met Lawrence my my husband my my, my alive husband my, my now husband and meeting him was probably one of the best things that I've ever done and it was like it happened organically it happened in a way that like neither one of us were like truly looking for it to happen but absolutely open for it to happening right um, i had for myself i had just gotten out of a relationship that was long distance and needed to end and i needed something to look forward to otherwise i was just gonna go back into that old relationship you know what if you leave all in there after like that sort of stuff so we've all been there yeah <laughs> so a, a good girlfriend of mine she'd actually tried to hook me up with lords a couple of times and w without me knowing cost their comments. So a girlfriend of mine tried to hook me up with Lawrence for a long time. I was like, I can't. I'm in a relationship right now and yeah, I can't. And then finally I broke up with that ex-boyfriend and she called me up one day and she's like, look, a group of like 10 of us are going to fly down to Puerto Rico and then we're going to fly down to the British Virgin Islands and then we're going to rent a sailboat and we're going to sail around for a week. Damn. And then we're going to come back. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, how do you say no to that? I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> sorry, Spike. Sorry, Sarah. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Chase. Sorry, David. I'm figuring out. I'm out. Goodbye. Family. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I didn't even have to think about it. I didn't hesitate. I said, absolutely. Yes, I will go. Of course, I will go. And then immediately afterwards, I regretted it because then I'm like, I don't know any of these people. 
I don't know. I don't know who these people are. I don't. And then I'm, I'm going to go out of the country with them. All I know is my friend Yaro and her boyfriend Alex, and I don't really. <laughs> and so thankfully, though, everybody was like well organized. They're like, we need to go have a meeting. We need to plan all these things and plan for buying food and what to pack and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I met everybody through meetings and all that sort of stuff. And then actually it was a very tight knit group of friends and they all would dance salsa together. And so that's how I met Lawrence. Lawrence was one of the people who were going on the boat. And it was almost like an immediate connection. We both saw each other and we were like, I couldn't stop staring at him. I, he couldn't. I would see him staring at or in my eyes. And then our friends, like, strategically, like, would make sure that the seat next to me was empty so that Lawrence could sit down. It was like, I know what y'all are doing. <laughs> and they did it. And that was the first relationship that I've ever had where I didn't have to, like, worry if the person that was next to me, like, was there or not. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah. to have somebody fully present and there with you and just not have anxiety of them being anywhere else but there with you. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was so free and so relieving and just, re- it was a, the, for the first time, I think in my whole entire adulthood, I was able to like breathe a sigh of relief when Lords and I first, like, first connected and we first, like, you know, started everything. It was just, it was all bad. When I think about the whole entire journey of my life and why things happened the way they did and how they happened, and I don't ever like to think that they were supposed to happen the way they were, right? Because I don't, I would, if I had my own say in it, Michael would still be alive, if even if we weren't supposed to meant to be together, right? You know what I mean? I wouldn't have like, I wouldn't have chosen that for anybody, but I don't have that choice. That's not the way it happened. No one asked me, and they're going on to it, so. Because I, I do truly think that what happened was supposed to happen and the way I ended up was supposed to be with, with Lawrence. And shortly after we got together, we were inseparable. We truly were. And seven months later, we that we were pregnant with our first child. There it you go. Happens. It, it happened. Life happens. Yep. Life happened. We can plan out all we want. Oh, yeah. It's been, <laughs> I would, it's. Back, like, one of my, like, outlets after Michael died was blogging and writing everything. And one of the biggest things that I wrote about was, like, how you can plan and plan and plan. Mm-hmm. And God will laugh. Yep. Or the universe will laugh. And because they have their own plans. Yep. <laughs> and, like, Michael and I had our lives planned out to the T. In, like, year 2010, I was supposed to graduate. 2000, you know, 13, I was supposed to graduate second degree. By 2014, we were supposed to have our first baby or oh, sure oh yeah we had everything planned out i know it <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah but like so that's why when people have like asked me about year two or year three or whatever my business i'm like i don't know like i like yes i have an idea but i don't plan i like and but for me that's a part of the trauma that i've been through like i don't run because yeah you know it's scary yeah it's scary yeah. And I think I, I, that's, that's such an, I mean, of course, that's never the way we would want anybody to learn the lesson. Right. No. And it's an important lesson to learn. Like, yeah, you can have a general idea. You can make plans. Like, life's going to keep throwing you curveball. Uh-huh. And it's up to you uh, yeah. to go with the flow or get derailed. Like, it, right. It's totally your choice. And mm-hmm. of course, it's an oversimplification. oversimplification. It's right. not that simple it's it's not that easy but really it is up to you like i know so my mom's been gone it was 15 years ago in november Mm -hmm. my dad who was my stepdad but Mm -hmm. he was my dad in all the ways he died two years ago in november okay so 13 years ago 13 years apart but almost to the week wow and my siblings i will tell anybody our dad died with my mom he he didn't want to live anymore. He didn't want to go on. And he he was young. It was, oh my goodness, my mom, I was 25. So my mom had to be, my mom was 48. So my dad was like 44, 45. Okay. Damn, that, that's, yeah, that's young. pretty damn young. I mean, it's yeah. 22, but it's, it's, yeah, still pretty damn young. You still yeah. had your whole life. Like they had plans and mm-hmm. life took it all away. But, you know, and then I've seen other, other people who I know like you who, felt the grief and they laid into it and they they let it 
being hard, right? Because if you don't, then you have a whole boatload of other issues yeah. that, that you just shut it down. But you chose to keep living. And I think yeah. that's that's amazing. And it says so much about your character and who you are. And I know from my own experience is not losing a husband, but right well, I mean, not losing a husband in the dying sense. But sure, yeah. We all have choices every day and we're here and every day we wake up, you know, religious. I'm not a religious person, but right. to me, every day I wake up and I'm healthy and I have, I'm coherent and I can think about my life and be grateful for right. it is a gift. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I had that choice to make. Like you said, I had the choice to make to continue living life or in, in this way, like I kind of describe it to like friends. I like I could have made what happened my identity. Right. But I chose not to because it's not my identity. It happened not to me, but to Michael. But I was a part of it. You know what I mean? Like, right. I didn't choose to let that widowhood take over my life. And I like I easily could have. That would have been, for me, the easy way out. But going through the hard stuff, going through like going through therapy and going through God braving dating again. It's terrifying. It, like, I'm just like, because that initially was like a red flag for a lot of people, like hearing that, oh, okay, this girl that I'm, you know, I'm matched with online or whatever is a widow. No, thank you. Like, it's fine, but that happened a lot. But it it takes somebody, a certain somebody to like be able to step into that role. And I always, I didn't know who that person would be, even if I wouldn't to know who that person was. You know what I mean? Like, because I was sat on like, after Michael died, I was settled. I didn't need, I didn't want to be with anybody. I didn't need a date. I didn't plan on getting married. I didn't plan on any of that. I had a plan for having children. By a certain age, like if things didn't happen by like 30, then I was going to go the route of doing IVF and that sort of stuff. But I didn't need somebody to fill that role. Right. I needed somebody to step into that role themselves. You know what I mean? So, and thankfully, thankfully, paths crossed. I met Lauren. So. <laughs> yeah, I hate the phrase, things happen for a reason, because I, I, I just don't, yeah, I, like it, it. In a way, like it discredits what happened. Right. Exactly. But it, and like, things that do happen for, I think there's, I think the better way, I'm trying to see if I have, because you're sitting in front of my bookshelf. And I, no, I don't think I've been given that book back yet. Cause I, I lent it to actually somebody we both know, but she still has the book. Uh, but there's a book by David Kessler, who is, I don't know what his official title is, but he, does a lot of coaching and counseling around grief. Mm-hmm. And he actually, he wrote with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross okay. on death and dying, right. on yeah. grieving. Uh-huh. Like he, he was a big part of that. He was one of her students when she was doing all So he was okay. very involved in all of that. And that's where I stem from. But he has a book called, and I'll, I'll look it all up and link to it in the show notes, but I think it's called Finding Meaning. Okay. And it's, it's not about finding meaning in the loss or in the person's death, but it's all about finding meaning in your life after that loss, after that death, as you, I don't want to say come out of the grief because, you know, grief is with you forever. Grief is you were never going to stop missing Michael. Uh And that doesn't mean that you love Lawrence any less. Right. And loving Lawrence doesn't mean you love Michael any less. Like, like, it's just that you don't. And that's very hard to... Mm -hmm wrap your head around they think right and that's part of the reason why i wasn't totally interested in dating again because i knew that that was gonna be always be an issue yeah and it takes a certain somebody to be able to step into that role mm-hmm. because it's it's huge and i i don't i don't like discredit anybody who like chose not to step into that role because it's just it's it's a difficult one yeah. to to be a part of it's not like michael like michael's my storyline with michael doesn't bleed into everything else in my life and right. and that's that's okay and even if he you know if i it was really fascinating so after i got that camera out mm-hmm. that's when i shared with little my my well my oldest son who's also his name's lawrence he's the fourth my husband's the third so i shared with lawrence the fourth i shared with him about michael and that was the first time I ever told him about him and showed him pictures. Oh, my gosh. So that was, like, also another, like, full circle 
but I told my littlest love of my life, like about my first love of my life. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, it was crazy. Like he asked me so many questions. He was so mature about it. He was five going on six and I was sharing all this stuff with him. And yeah, it was so every once in a while, he will come out with a Michael question. Our lives, like I said, back when we were first starting, you'd talk about all of this. Like, my life is so far like removed from what happened 13 years, you know, going on 13 years. Right. So it's just, I, mean, I don't even, you know, that's part of my journey now is like, how do I talk about that more? Do I, do I discuss more of that? Do I let that be known? I don't think I necessarily need to or, you know, necessarily want to sometimes, but it does make me who I am. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's with with my story, with my first marriage, it, it had been over for a while. But I I couldn't see that because I also was dealing with grieving my mom at 25 and I got pregnant with Spike shortly after. So like my and then my grandma, like it was just a world like I, I had this 18 month period where. I had like 10 major life-changing events mm-hmm. in a very, very short yeah. period of time. Same. I was a, I was a disaster. <laughs> but yeah. like when my marriage actually ended, mm-hmm. it was really, really ugly. Like Jerry Springer shit, ugly. And it didn't need to be. Oh it's, it's a shame in hindsight that it, it played out that way. Right. But while I'm certainly not grateful that I had that experience, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not mad about it either anymore because it brought me to where I am today. Right. I love my life and yeah. I love my husband and I love my kids. And had I not gone through things the way I did, I wouldn't be who I am yeah, today. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't choose this life. <laughs> the hard life chose me. And, yeah. like, and I'm, like you said, like, I don't, I don't hate that it happened. Like, I, like, it, if, that had to choose anybody. It chose a strong enough person to deal with it. Yeah. And I am, I'm grateful for where I'm at in life right now. Because, yeah, I love my husband. I love my children. My, like, the three of the, the three humans that are in my, you know, <laughs> in my immediate life can absolutely complete me. So, like, yeah. 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 It's one of those, it's like, oh, would you go back? Oh, well, we can't. First of all, we can't right. go back to time. Okay, no, time. Even if I could, if somebody put a time machine in front of me right now what would you change nothing yeah i mean i'd probably go back to like yesterday and find out today's winning lottery numbers that's about the extent of how far i would right? because i yeah. don't want to fuck it all up right yeah, yeah. i mean we've all seen back in the future we oh, know yeah. what happens when you go you back and you change one, one thing and it ripples and turns <laughs> everything else yeah no calvin klein underwear for us here you know <laughs> i mean it really is and and i you know allison i gotta I just give you so much credit and you're so strong and I appreciate your openness and vulnerability in sharing this story with us because I know it's not easy and obviously the people listening can't see the the tears in our eyes that have come up several times in this conversation. But, right. you know, it's an important story to share because there are other women going okay. through this who don't know where to turn right now. And, right. and if this podcast this random little podcast episode can help one person find what they need or realize that they're not alone then hell i think we have succeeded oh that alone like that like what you just said if that's any inspiration to go and like share my story more then that's it Mm -hmm. because if if anything if i can help other people by what i've gone through with losing michael if that if any of my story helps somebody else then that's worth it too not worth it but you know what i mean like Worth, worth, right. worth what you went through to share sure. the yeah, to be able to come to the other side and share it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would love to be able to do that more. Well, Allison, Heather and I are here to help you share your story any way we can. And you are welcome to share our stories, however you see fit. And I am just so grateful that Amber put you in my life and that we met each other and that you're here today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us before we say goodbye? Hello. Or not goodbye. See you later. Because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to do this again. Yeah. Because this was way too much if fun. You, <laughs> if you want to find me on the the interweb, my website is allisonunionphoto.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, 
uh, at Allison Union Photo. And same for Facebook, too. So those are the, the platforms that I'm most present on. And we'll link to all of those on our show notes page because I will say anybody who lives in the Southwest Florida area should go get the picture taken. Anybody who's visiting the Southwest Florida area, I can't imagine a better thing, a better way to like document or uh, memorialize a family vacation <laughs> than calling Allison and be like, hey, can you come spend three hours with us while we're out on Saturday and take some pictures? I absolutely mean, love that. And that's actually, I did that. I did a session like that. Like a family was here vacationing locally and they, I was like a referral to them from another photographer that they contacted that couldn't do their session. So like they ended up choosing going with me and I did that. And that like inspired me to do one for whenever we're on vacation next. It's such like a, a cool thing to do. And also if you ever, if you live out of state, I don't know, Utah, California, up in Wyoming and you need photos done, just come have your girl. <laughs> I travel. <laughs> I will travel. Yeah, so I told I told you that David and I decided for a tenth our tenth wedding anniversary, yeah. which will be in wait, this is twenty twenty two where we're gonna be married. So I think twenty twenty five if I can count. Twenty twenty five. We're going to Hawaii for our okay. tenth anniversary. And I already told Heather, like the co- the whole Compton family right. has to come. So Allison, you need to be there because yeah. Heather and I are going to have to do some KHB branding or, photos in or Hawaii. Or I have like a bowel renewal. Yes. Yeah, and there you go. You can be our wedding photographer yeah. because I didn't know you <laughs> seven years ago when we got married. So you can come be our 10th anniversary bowel renewal. Recreate more photos underneath the moon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I know this is totally off topic and I'm going to post these pictures so anybody listening understands. But when you did our family photos... And you got that random picture of Shay climbing through David's right, legs. Uh-huh. And it was so funny because when we had our engagement photos done eight years ago with my friend Patty up in, we were up in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and we're walking down the bar- boardwalk. And I, for the life of me, I don't remember for sure, but I really don't think it was intentional. But there's a picture of Spike like getting between David's legs, just like Shay did. I'm going to have to find those pictures and put them both up on the show notes page. I have to. So I need to, I need this because you yes. mentioned that when that happened. And I, I need this. So it. random. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm going to let you go now, Allison, because I know you and I could sit here and talk for hours and hours and hours. And this probably is not the most exciting conversation for people to listen to for hours and hours and hours. But I hope that it has been for the last couple of hours because this has been a long one. We're going to make this a couple of episodes. Thank you so much, Allison. It has been a pleasure getting to know you and being photographed by you. And I can't wait to to do more. I see what you do next. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. We will talk soon. Sounds good. Okay.